Welcome on in everyone to another episode of Side of the Storm. My name is Evan Wessling, and as always, um, I am joined alongside my co-host, Mr. Brandon Ness. As tonight, uh, we have quite a few things to talk about um, as we react um, to Iowa State's loss versus West Virginia at home on senior night, 72-69. Um, we will have a short preview for Baylor. Probably won't talk a whole lot about that. So the main thing is going to be talking about the West Virginia game and what kind of impacts this has on the Big 12 tournament and also the NCAA tournament. But before we go ahead and get it into all that, um, just want to check in on my guy Brandon. So how are you doing today? Not great after last night. <laughs> it was a late night too. That was a long game. Two and a half hours yeah. of that. Yeah, it was long. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So... I, again, obviously, Iowa State lost to West Virginia 72-69, trailed by 8 at the half, and I think the largest deficit was 11. Um, so they found their uh, they found a way to claw back into the game, um, but unfortunately it was not enough. Um, I believe Iowa State was up 64-60 going into the under 4-minute timeout in the second half. And I believe they said it was a 9-0 run um, until about 20 seconds left for West Virginia. That ultimately put the game out of reach. Um, so we will start with Iowa State scoring. Um, one of the few positives to take away from yesterday um, was Gabe Kalsher and Jaron Holmes. Gabe having 26, and I joked about it early in the game, like the like after Gabe made his first two shots, I looked at Brandon. I'm like, okay, so this is the Isaiah Brockington game, but it's Gabe Kalsher time. And honestly, had he not gotten foul trouble early, he was on pace to probably put up over 30. Um, and then, so he looked great, which is really good. Um, and then Jaron Holmes, 16, he pretty much found his groove again um, for the most part. So those are your two leading scores for Iowa State. It was kind of a not so great performance outside of that. Um, Trey was seven, six apiece from both Bob and Shun, five from Jazz and three from Taman. Grill um, and Demarion Watson both played without scoring. As for West Virginia, they were led by Eric Stevenson with 23. Behind him, Joe Toussaint had 19 and then 13 from Emmett Matthews. Outside of that, nothing really. Um, there was a handful of guys with three points. And then um, Kedron Johnson had eight, and he was the guy that exploded for over 20 um, in Morgantown in these two teams' first matchups. So um, I think I have a couple things to talk about. Um, we'll kind of dive more into Gabe and Jaron in a little bit, but I want to start off with um, somehow an elbow to Jazz's face um, hurt Iowa State more than West Virginia. So that's where I want to start off, and I'll toss it over to Brandon from there. Yeah, I didn't understand it when we were standing in the stands, but apparently they got it right. The whole free throw situation and the ball possession because of the dead ball. I'll leave it to the officials. I don't know enough about that call. Yeah. But it just ended up with two missed free throws on our end, and then they hit both of theirs plus a three, so it's pretty much a seven-point swing. You had all the momentum going into that play, and just like that it was gone, and the rails pretty much came off at that point. Yeah, it was – it sucked – I mean, and I think plenty of times, even after that, it was just Iowa State had so many opportunities to have that huge lead-extending shot to get it to double digits. And it was really the first time since the Kansas game where I could feel um, like awaiting that three-pointer. I think it was Jazz like a few times. 
Um, it was just, you could feel like if that goes down, it was going nuts. Like you guys, if you have been to Hilton Coliseum and you've been into one of those really good environments, you know that feeling I'm talking about. You just, you're waiting for like two seconds to see just the explosion of Hilton. And I, there was probably like three opportunities. I felt that. I don't know if you can relate to that, but, um, I would say just couldn't hit the shot to really push it out of reach, um, and send them packing, um, so that was really unfortunate that they couldn't get it done, but I think that was the big thing. Obviously, momentum did get sucked out um, after that whole elbow debacle, um, but Iowa State had opportunities after that, without a doubt, and then again, down the stretch, when Iowa State needed to put them away or just find a way in late-game situations, it was another night where they weren't able to do it. This one just kind of felt different. You had that stretch where you were playing really well in the second half. You had all the momentum crowd was actually behind you and loud yeah it's like you said we had so many opportunities just push it to 10 put it away and jazz missed like four of those he had a really bad game yeah um i mean i don't know it seemed like every one of your main scorers did what they needed to do and credit west virginia they made a lot of tough shots early on to keep a minute and then take the lead back again and yeah i don't know it was that was probably the one of the more painful games, at least at home. It just seemed like you actually had the game you needed to win the game, and you just couldn't. Yeah, and I mean, I think for many reasons, this was a win that you just had to get, and they couldn't do it. I mean, I feel there was a spot, I don't remember if it was... I want to say it was kind of going into... I think it was after, after the West Virginia loss, actually, because you know, the preview for that weekend was Oklahoma State, and we were kind of sitting here like, okay, Iowa State's really gotten most of the tough home games out of the way, and TCU the toughest one, what we thought was going to be the toughest one, probably wasn't going to have Mike Miles. So we're sitting here like, okay, you get past TCU, you're probably going undefeated at home, and at worst you're going 11-7 and in Big 12 play, which sets you up around the 4-3-5. I don't know why I went in that order, but um, it was anywhere from 3rd to 5th place how you were feeling about this team. And, you know, a four seed, a three or four seed in the NCAA tournament. So it's crazy how the tides have shifted because we were talking 11-7 and Iowa State's probably going to finish 8-10. and 10. So it's just been a total collapse um, after that Kansas game. Um, it's now, I believe it's six of seven, six of the seven Six of the last seven games have been losses, I believe I mean, is what it is. They started six and one, now they're eight and nine. Yeah. So, so whatever that is, not good. Two and seven, I think. I don't know. Um, two and eight? Yeah. Um, so one, two of the last ten. I mean, that just kind of tells you where this team's at right now. I think something that we've talked about is this team's been scouted and they don't have the talent to get over that, and I think we're still probably both on board with that. Um, but at the same time, it's still weird that you've seen this collapse. Um, I guess just wouldn't expect it. Um, so Iowa State now sits at 17-12 and 12 overall with an 8-9 and nine record in conference play. Um, but, yeah, it's still a weird spot. I guess a few things we'll touch on for this game specifically because I'm not really too worked up about this game because, to be completely honest, even though they didn't win, which is a bigger thing, again, the energy in Hilton – and seeing Gabe and Jaron did what they did makes me feel like this team 
is going to get back on the right track, and that may not be till March Madness, but I seeing Gabe and Jaron do what they do does make me feel a little bit better. Um, it's a different situation if you lose and you've, you're the same story that you've been the last couple weeks where Gabe and Jaron just have not done anything. Um, but I would say the last thing I want to talk about before we move on to the bigger picture um, is what's going on with Shun um, and Bert situation. I know there's been so much talk about Bert this year. I get it. But it's just kind of getting to a point, weirdly, where... And not that I'm saying Bert should start. And really, Bert got... I mean, Bert had 21 minutes to Shun's 19 but I, I'm starting to wonder the playoff between Shun's offense, Bird's defense. I, I, I don't know. It's it's a weird spot right now. Um, I'll kind of let Brandon talk about this because I know this is one he's pretty adamant on. We've been talking about it all year, and you've seen it. Shun's had a really bad four-game stretch. Bird's had a really good four-game stretch. Bert was awesome yesterday, by the way. He doesn't get enough credit for that. Yeah, He's the only guy on the team that was playing consistent defense there. Yeah, On I mean, a guy that was 100 pounds more than him. Yeah, and I mean, I think you if you really pay attention to the rotations last night, it was, you know, it was Bert and Trey rotating for Shun and Jazz. And you could tell when Otz was going offense and when he was going defense because the only two guys that were physical enough from that, at least from that 5-4 perspective – were Trey and Bird. They were the only two guys willing to get in there to rebound. So, I mean, you could kind of see the rotations, but it got to a point down the line where I didn't even care about the production Shun could give you offensively because it just when you when in a game that you know got down to the end where that's where Iowa State really defends depends on their defense more than their offense in terms of winning down the stretch. It felt weird having Shun in because he wasn't rebounding all night. He wasn't rebounding or defending. No. He was a complete head case on the defensive end. He couldn't do anything. And it's not like their bigs are super talented or anything. No, I mean, 15 might be big, but he's not good. And one of them got thrown out of the game. And they were out with a con- out of a Conquo didn't play because he got hurt, like right after, as he came in. So they really had none of their bigs available. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's one of those things you just got to figure out who's it going to be that day. And that's kind of the problem is we keep going to both of them when they're on their bad game, and that's because we refuse to go to Ward for one. But when you see that Oshun can't rebound worth a crap and Rob is having a really good game, especially in a game that lasted well over two hours, you have many breaks in the game. It's not like they should be exhausted after playing three minutes no. when they're at the monitor for ten minutes every two minutes. So it's just a matter of finding that guy. And they kind of did in March Madness last year. They played George Conda because he was playing really well. Yeah. And they didn't play Burt that much. It's the same thing, and I think they'll figure it out. I have no reason not to trust TJ at this point. It's oh, a rough yeah. last couple games, but you're still going to be a better seed than last year in the NCAA tournament. It's a rough end, but it kind of is what it is. You knew they weren't going to win the Big 12. No. And so I think something we've also talked a lot about here is expectations. Now, what we've been very adamant on is look back to what you were at at the beginning of the year, and I still stand by that. But what I know some people have brought up on Twitter, not directly to us, but you know, just going on Twitter and mainly seeing people respond to Chris Williams or Brett Bloom, um, just talking about, because they're also pretty much in the same boat as me and Brandon, as 
guys, remember where, where we were at in November. I mean, but some people have brought up the point that expectations change, which, yes, I agree. But if your expect changes change to expecting this team to compete for a Big 12 twi- title, that was way out of the reach. I can sit here saying me and Brandon were nowhere near that. Did we expect this team to finish in the top five? Absolutely. Did we probably expect them to be around a five seed? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think that those were fair. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, three weeks ago, they were a three seed. Yeah, they were viewed as the number 11 team. So they're not going to drop that far. That's a later conversation. Yeah. But I think the big thing is, yes, I am on board with the fact that, yes, when we're talking about expectations, they do change. But you can't be so drastic to go from talking about a team who you thought was going to be a bubble team or playing in the NIT to expecting them to win a Big 12 title. You just can't make that jump. I don't care what happens. Even if you're in K-State's spot right now, you still, like, you can't make that jump. That's just not how that works. That's not how expectations work. So, yes, they do change, but it vaulted from, you know, being a bubble team and probably, like, seventh place in the Big 12, which can still happen, to probably a, you know... A top five finish in the Big Twelve and around a four or five seed in March. That was like that. That's a reasonable upgrade, which is why, like this slump is also disappointing. Cause again, expectations did change, and now they have fallen. So we'll get into here shortly what that impact, what this collapse, will look like for Iowa State. Um, but I guess any last thoughts on this game specifically before we kind of move into um, Iowa State's standings um, here in the next few weeks. It's never fun to lose on senior night, especially eight of them out there. But it, like you said, last year was a heck of a lot worse than this senior night. Uh, yeah, put up like thirty-four. Yeah, it could be worse. Yeah, it it definitely could. I think they honestly played one of their best games the last ten. So you can see improvement. It's just I mean not I think I think that's the thing. Like there was that spurt throughout the night where we're like, okay, I think this team got their groove back. If they can play like that for forty minutes, there's not many teams that can beat them. So no. it's not like they're that far away. No. Um, it certainly does not help that they have to end with Baylor before going into um, Kansas City. So I guess I'll push off the standings here for last just because we'll talk about that more. There's not going to be a whole lot to talk about Baylor. not going to really dive into much of a preview. Um, the big difference is I would say we'll most likely see, or we'll see LJ Cryer, um, which they did not see the first time. Seems like it's been forever since we played them. Yeah. This is the first game of the yeah. Big 12 and the last yeah, um, but obviously Iowa State did not see um, him. He's one of their guards um, that he was not playing in the first game. And also Jonathan Chemwa Chachua um, just had gotten back from his really bad knee injury that he suffered in 2022. Um, he will also be playing. So there is a difference, and it makes that Baylor team a lot better. Um, so not expecting Iowa State to win whatsoever. Um, maybe it's a desperate Iowa State team that goes in there and takes us all by storm, just like they were down, what, 25 last year and had a shot at the end. You just never know what can happen, just not really expecting Iowa State to do much. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what to expect on Saturday. Um, I'm hoping it's at least a single-digit game and it's competitive and you can tell the team's back, but you're just playing a top-10 team in America who's probably going to finish who's probably going to get a 3 seed in March and it's not too much to hang your hat on. It's been a crazy couple of years down at Baylor. 
I mean, the 2020 team was up by like 18 on the national champions, and we didn't win a single game in conference. And then last year we were down 22 to four or something in the middle of a tornado warning, and then we randomly came back and almost won the game because of Burt. <laughs> that was the Burt like 16 point game or whatever. Yeah. So anything can happen down in Waco. We just don't win down there much. No, no, no. They're always entertaining. Yeah. Without a doubt. Hopefully Grill doesn't play, too. That, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so we will jump in quickly to the Big 12 standings. Now this doesn't help a whole lot um, because, obviously, only two games have been played to this point. Obviously, while recording, Kansas and Texas Tech are about to get underway. That is the only game on Tuesday. And then Wednesday's night, Wednesday night games are Kansas State and Oklahoma and Texas Tech and – or, sorry, and TCU and Texas – um, but we will give you the current Big 12 standings. Um, not much has changed. Obviously, only two-game difference. Kansas at 12-4 and four at the top. Texas 11-5 and five in second, a game back. Baylor 11-6 and six is a game and a half back just because they have got one under the belt so other teams haven't. Kansas State 10-6 and six is fourth. Um, TCU 8-8 eight and eight is in fifth. Iowa State 8-9 and nine is in sixth place. Oklahoma State 7-10 and ten in seventh. West Virginia 6-11 and 11. And eighth, Texas Tech five eleven ninth, Oklahoma four and twelve tenth. So, don't need to pay attention to four and up. The big thing to talk about is five, six, and seven. This is going to be the big thing. Now, kind of wish Iowa State didn't play on Monday, or I guess at least we didn't have to record this as early, just because we'd have better insight for you guys. Um, but a big one was one of the games that did get played last night was Oklahoma State. So that is going to be the big one we're going to talk about. Now, here's where Iowa State lies in terms of the, this 5-6-7 rotation. So the teams that are going to finish in that range is going to be TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Um, I suppose West Virginia could technically make a jump depending on a win from them and like an Oklahoma State loss. Um, but overall, I see the top or 5-7 through seven being a combination of TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. So we'll start off with Iowa State, obviously. 8-9. and nine. Um, last game at Baylor, as we both predict, Iowa State to lose. Yeah. So we're predicting an 8-10 and 10 finish. Um, so for Iowa State to finish top six. So, well, first off, we're also going to kind of give you the pros and cons to what playing on Wednesday and playing and not playing on Wednesday can do for this team. So we will start off with just where Iowa State would, with the results, where they would play. So we'll start off with, if Iowa State will play on Wednesday. So Iowa State, again, as we predict, will be finish 8-10. and 10. If Oklahoma State wins, both Iowa State and Oklahoma State finish 8-10. and 10. Unfortunately, because Oklahoma State swept Iowa State, they have a complete tiebreaker over the Cyclones, meaning Iowa State finishes 7th. Now, Iowa State can still finish in the top 6, if even if Oklahoma State wins, but... The Cyclones would need TCU to lose out, making a three-way tie between the three teams. Um, then I'm honestly not sure how it works. I can't confirm Iowa State would finish top six. Not likely that's going to happen. But there's a chance um, Iowa State does have wins over the top four, whereas I'm not sure the other two have wins over all four teams. I could be wrong. Probably not. So that may get Iowa State above, but... An eight and a three-way tie at eight and ten probably isn't happening as TCU um, has Texas at home and goes to OU, so I expect them to go one and one. 
So if we have TCU going one and one, can we agree on that? Yeah. Okay. One and one puts TCU in fifth place, which means it's down to Iowa State and Oklahoma State for sixth place. It's very simple, cut and dry. Iowa State's probably not winning on Saturday, so you need Texas Tech to beat Oklahoma State for Iowa State to finish in the top six. Now, if you're someone like me who can't go to Kansas City till Thursday, you really hope they can finish in the top six so you don't have to worry about them winning Wednesday to get to Thursday. But we'll talk about why it may not be awful for them to play Wednesday. Even if Iowa State gets a top six finish, still probably a one and done in Kansas City. Um, So you can look at it like this. If Iowa State does finish in seventh, they would get another crack at Oklahoma, most likely. Um, So you can, obviously it was not a great performance last time, but with a team that would be on a six-game losing streak going into Kansas City, you can ask yourself this question. I don't really have a true opinion on this. But would you rather have Iowa State play Wednesday and basically go 1-1 one one in Kansas City, assuming they could beat Oklahoma? Or would you rather have them get a top six finish, not have to play Wednesday, but then probably go 0-1, extending it to a seven-game losing streak? I will ask Brandon this because I just talked for probably like five minutes. There's a lot of possibilities to run through. It's yes. easy to rant at this time. But I personally, I'd rather see him play Wednesday. Um, I think... You have a chance because every single team is good in the conference. It's not like you're just beating up on Minnesota. Yeah. It, you're playing a top 50 team in the country in Oklahoma and a top 50 team on a neutral side as a quad one. Yeah. So that would bump us up to eight quad one wins. That's something that could quite literally bump you up an entire seed line, and that could move you from the eight to the seven, which is a really important jump to make. So there's that, and then you're probably going to play either, what, Kansas or Texas. Uh, yes. If you win? Yes. Um, so, at that point, you're just hoping you don't get blown out in that game if you do win. Now, if you lose to Oklahoma, that really doesn't hurt you at all. So, it feels like almost if you play Wednesday, you have nothing to lose. You have way more to gain than you do to lose. Because a loss to Oklahoma doesn't really mean anything. Sure. But if you beat them, that's a quad one win. And then it's just you hope you don't get blown out. So, I would rather see him play Wednesday, but... I, I get the whole, you want to be a top six um, seed in the Big 12 tournament, which they were, I think, a six last year, right? Yeah. So it's crazy. We could be a seven, seven and still be a better overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, I, again, I don't really, the only reason I have a preference as to getting a top six finish is specifically so I don't have to count on them winning for me to go to Kansas City. That's the only reason why I stand in this. I do think it probably benefits Iowa State to play on Wednesday more just on the losing streak that they are at. Obviously, had they won against Oklahoma and West Virginia, it's a completely different story because you would only end the year on a one-game losing streak, finish 10-8. and eight. It's just a completely different story, and you're probably a five seed yep. in the NCAA tournament. So that was why those two games really sucked for Iowa State. Um, so that was kind of the big thing as to what could happen in Kansas City. I don't think it really matters that much regardless. It's just if you want to have any confidence, say you get beat by 10 at Baylor, if you want to have any confidence going into the tournament, which we didn't last year, people forget that. It's the same thing. It wasn't a seven-game losing streak, but it certainly wasn't it was pretty similar. either. It was, I mean, <laughs> putting up 36 and losing by 30 That's definitely wasn't worse. a good vibe. That's, 
I mean, people forget that. They say you don't have scores like Brockington and Tyrese Hunter this year, but, I mean, they still scored 36. Yeah. So it's not like the team was wildly better on offense. They were actually worse. Yeah. I don't know. People seem to have dementia. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you guys can weigh um, your thoughts on where you would want Iowa State to play. Uh, we give you the information, and you can run with it as you will. Um, last thing we got for you guys here is bracketology so the first thing i want to talk about is obviously the downpour on twitter throughout the fan base um not like not even like completely twitter just iowa state fans um that i've talked to i think there's a just for whatever reason a speculation that they are going to miss the tournament if they lose out and i'm just going to tell you i don't know how an 11 and the viewed as the number 11 team in college basketball by the selection committee a week and a half ago would somehow fall to out of the tournament. Is that really only a week and a half ago? It was, it came out the K state game. So that's crazy. That seems like forever ago. Yeah. Um, but it, I just, I can't see it happening. Um, I think even if we said, I would say we lose out. I said, I would see them no lower than an eight. I still believe that. Um, I would be curious to see what they do with Iowa State in terms of a 7 or an 8 if they do not win another game going into March. But they're not going to be on the bubble. They are not going to be – they're going to be a better seed. And I think they're going to have less wins than last year's team going into the tournament. Um, so that's that's where we're at. Um, Iowa State is down to a 6 seed according to Joe Lenardi in Bracketology. Now to kind of give you an example of this, before the selection committee released their top twelve or top sixteen, he had Iowa State as a four, but then he obviously um, redid it after it was announced and accounted for those top sixteen and then added on. So since that point, he has stuck to that. So basically, in his eyes, he would see the committee viewing Iowa State as a six seed right now. And again, I think that's accurate. Two more losses. Or and potentially a win um, could get Iowa State on the seven or eight line. Um, you'd have to beat Baylor and probably win first round in Kansas City. In my eyes, to stay at a six, that could move you up to a five, but I don't think so. I think it'd probably put you keep you on the six line. Yeah. So Iowa State's probably just seeing if they're going to fall to a seven or an eight. I don't see them falling anywhere below that. Um, so the things you're going to have to balance right now is if you'd rather play a one or a two. Now, it's a fairly easy answer, I would say. Um, you know, there is a possibility now that I guess I would say, well, never mind. I was going to say I would say would have a better shot playing in Des Moines, although two Big 12 teams are playing in Des Moines, so never mind there. Um, There's basically two things I want to hit on here. And it's just what I've seen on social media, which isn't a correct, accurate representation of the population of Iowa State fans. But are they playing like a NCAA tournament team the last 10 games? No, probably not. But the problem is they do it over the whole season. Yeah. Thank goodness. We wouldn't be in if they didn't. But every game means the same thing. That's what people seem to forget. People like Jerry Palm, who have them at a, as an eight seed in a bubble team, they're not going to drop eight seeds in two weeks. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Because it's so much metrics-based. The metrics haven't fallen hardly at all because we don't have any bad losses. No. 
Now there's some of it that is a little bit of groupthink, that because all these people are freaking out, some of the committee, who also have social media, who can see these things, yeah. see that everybody's freaking out, calling us a bubble team, and then there's some people having us at a four seed. So it's depending on what they see more of and then what they see with the metrics. It's just a combination of all that. I think personally they're probably going to be at a seven, and that's four better than last year. Yeah, which is crazy to say. With but, I think it would be like either the same amount of wins or one less win. I think Iowa State had eighteen. No, what did they have? I think they had twenty wins actually. They had twenty before and then twenty two after the tournament. Yeah. So it's honestly we're just getting propped up by the strength of the Big Twelve right now, which they're going to take it. And eight and ten also a win better than last year in the Big Ten or Big Twelve. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I think they're probably going to get a seven. And at that point, you're playing the 10, which is a heck of a lot better than the 11 or 12 seeds, quite honestly. You stay away from Oral Roberts yeah, so in just, North Carolina. Just to kind of give you a look at potential 10s, now there will obviously be movement. But to kind of give you a quick idea, the 10s right now are Memphis, USC, win, win. Florida Atlantic, win. and West Virginia. Obviously cannot play West Virginia. Um kind of give you a look at the nines as well and some 11s for some movement potential you have nc state at a nine illinois at a nine they are trending down um you have rutgers at a nine pittsburgh at a nine they are trending up um in terms of 11s you have nevada they're trending down auburn trending down um you have a first four matchup between Mississippi State and Boise State. Both teams trending down. And then a Wisconsin and Arizona State. So you could potentially see a combination of really any of those teams. I don't really know if I would see an 8 slipping. An 8 could slip down to a 10, um, potentially. Um, maybe like an A&M. Um, no, I just kind of threw out a good chunk of teams there, but... That's kind of a general idea of a potential bubble of teams that could be around a 10 seed. Um, so that that's what I would look at in terms of viewing potential opponents. Um, and it, again, it's just very matchup heavy, uh, what Iowa State can draw. Um, if you get Rutgers, that's the exact same thing as the Wisconsin game last year. They play the same style. Same thing with somebody like um, Arizona State. I think, honestly, you have a better shot at beating a 10 seed than you do a 12 this year just because the majors are so strong and they're not going to get above a 12 unless they get large, which rarely happens. You're not going to see Oral Roberts at a 10 unless they win out and win the conference tournament. Yeah. So I think you honestly have a better shot taking your chances with somebody that's a Power 5 team, lower Power 5, that's probably around 500 in their conference. Yeah. And then just hope you match up with somebody like that instead of FAU, which scares me as much as they can score. It's all matchups, and honestly, you got a gift last year. It could happen again. It's not that inconceivable to see this team going to the Sweet 16. No, yeah. Um, and then just kind of a look at two seeds. I do not really think the Big 12 will come away with three two seeds. It's possible, but I think one of them probably finds a way to fall on a three. Kansas still at a one. Kansas is a one. Texas, Baylor, and K-State all twos. I'd expect one of those to fall. K-State to fall. Um, potentially, like, um, I'm trying to look at these threes. 
maybe Tennessee or Marquette could take a two. Yeah. Um, again, Iowa State is not able to play any of the Big 12 teams, so you can cross off Texas, Baylor um, off the list. I think so, for the first two rounds, right? Yes. So you, it's, you, can't, you can't see them in your first region. It's once you get to the Sweet 16, they can't control it. Anything Which every possible. single Big 12 team is good. Yeah. So that's a good thing. So you're probably, like, in terms of twos, it's, like, Marquette, Tennessee, UCLA. Oof. So chances of a Sweet 16, probably not great. Um, Iowa State got a really good gift in terms of Wisconsin at the three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for Iowa State to get to the Sweet 16 now. They had a very good spot um, a week and a half ago as a three. I, didn't, I think we predicted Iowa State to finish a four seed. Um, no lower than a five. So Iowa State was going to have a really good opportunity to face a team like like an Indiana or, I don't know, UConn, Miami, Virginia, St. Mary's. It's just yeah. – so you would have had a lot better shot to get to round two. I think it's going to – I think this team is probably, like Brandon said, going to end on a seven – um, I think they can definitely win round one. Not sure if they get to the Sweet 16, but no need to talk about that right now. Brackets aren't even out yet. But just to give you a general look, we'll do a quick recap. I'm not sure I feel very confident in Texas Tech on Saturday. So I think Iowa State gets two sevens. I think they finish seventh in the Big 12 and probably land as a seven seed in March. I would agree. I think, yeah, I can see Tech winning that. They yeah, they certainly could. And the good thing is that it is in Lubbock, so that helps Iowa State out a lot. Um, I just – I Oklahoma State's kind of a pestery one. They're also playing for their tournament lives. Uh, right. Tech had a shot, but they're in the next four out, and you just can't climb up that highly at this point in the season unless they made a run to the Big 12 title. Yep. So. I would see – yeah, I think they get probably two sevens, which isn't necessarily a bad spot to be in. You were an 11 in the tournament last year, mm-hmm. and you made the Sweet 16. Crazy things happen in March. Crazy things like teams that have lost nine straight making a run. I think, what was it, Georgetown and Arizona State two years ago yeah. that both had six wins going in the conference tournament and somehow made the Sweet 16. Yeah. And uh, Oregon State made the Elite Eight. Yeah. So it, crazy things can happen. The Again, season's this is, not over. As Brandon has highlighted throughout the past few weeks here, this team under Ots is built better for March Madness than they are uh, running Kansas City. They've been in every single game. Yeah. So I, I just think when you're going to start to see teams who do not, haven't scouted, I mean, have not played Iowa State, um, when Iowa State gets that first matchup and you haven't seen them before, it gives Iowa State a much better shot. I mean, that that's just the big thing I would say. Um, it's just very matchup-reliant. Um, for this year, I think there could be a change in that next year where they're going to finally have the talent to kind of get out of that. Um, if you get Rutgers and Marquette, that's a pretty good path. Yeah. Um, but we will be sure to cover all of that once it's available. Um, we will obviously be back here um, sometime this weekend. We might not post it till Monday, um, but we will give give you a, a reaction to Baylor and then just an official outlook at a trip to Kansas or what the Kansas City trip will look like. Um, probably don't that expect that to be too long because we spent most of this episode discussing what March is going to look like. 
Um, and then again, just continue to look down the line. Um, I don't really think we'll have a Big 12 tournament recap. Um, I think we'll just kind of combine that once the March Madness Seeds comes out. So that's kind of your look at future podcasts in terms of basketball. So you got one probably coming out next Monday. And then I would expect we would give you one um, the day after Selection Sunday. So that's kind of your outlook for what we're going to do from here on out. Um, Sorry if the last couple episodes have been pretty similar. Uh, It's just been kind of a repeated story right now. So for sure. Um, Get out and support the women on their senior night Saturday. Yes. Um, It's right around the men's game, which I don't know if any of you want to watch that anyways. Yeah. (laughs) So... Um, let's see. Ashley Jones, Emily Ryan, both graduating. Among Denarski, uh... no, she's a sophomore, I think. She's pretty young. Morgan Kane's graduating, I believe. So it's a really great group of cyclones that are graduating. Some of the winningest in program history. They got a good shot at hosting, and this is a big game for it. So go out and support that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, definitely agree with Brandon. Um, I think. Ashley Jones might finally get her Big 12 Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, so, She's junior. Junior, okay. Close enough. We were we just split the middle. Yeah, there you go. Um, but, yeah, definitely agree with Brandon. Um, but, yeah, um, thank you guys for tuning in this long, um, long episode. <laughs> um, but, again, it's very March Madness-focused, not even really a West Virginia reaction. That might be in the title, but it's going to be more of a preview for March, not Baylor. There you go. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. If you did this, get to this point, really appreciate it. Um, you guys can go ahead and check us out on Twitter. Um, our podcast account is at Side of the Storm. Um, that, description, that will be in the description down below, along with me and Brandon's personal Twitters. So we appreciate you guys can go ahead and give that a follow. Um, and then also give a rating and review just so we can help um grow the podcast um crazy that we're almost going to be out of content here in a month's time yeah um we'll we'll put something together in from april to we got the spring game yeah that is true that is very true um but yeah uh basically have been going non-stop since the end of august so kind of weird that it's almost done yeah, for sure. I'm going to start saving some of Twitter fans' um, really bad takes and expose them when they're in the Sweet 16. <laughs> do that now. We're going to do that. Okay, let's get them. We'll I'm, I'm down. I'm down. If you guys are, if you guys want to hear some of those hot takes and the frustrations get slapped in the face, be sure again to follow us on Twitter so you guys get the notification whenever a podcast is available to you guys. Um, I believe... Most times, Apple Podcasts does sound out, send out notifications for the most part when podcasts are available, but they don't do it all the time. So that's why you should check us out on Twitter. Um, but yeah, you guys, once again, appreciate you guys listening. As Brandon said, please be sure to support the women if you are able to on Saturday, honoring some really good cyclones, some of the best in program history. Um, we'll see if Ohio State can pull some magic out of the hat in Waco. Um, but yeah, we'll be back here Monday. To give you a better look at what's going to go down in Kansas City. Until then, you guys, I appreciate you guys listening as always. And we'll catch you in the next one. Until then, roll clones, baby.